This is Redhead Audio. I'm Brenda Brown, and this podcast is about, well, anything and everything that interests me. The only rules that apply here are my rules. How do I get away with this? It's easy. I'm a redhead. Hello and welcome to the premiere podcast of Redhead Audio. I'm Brenda Brown. Now, in this series of podcasts, I'm speaking to women who are successful business leaders and leaders in their community. We're discussing their journey and hopefully gleaning some insight and maybe some inspiration as well for not only my journey, but hopefully your journey as well. In this first episode, I had the honor of speaking to Vicki Carver-Sparks and Michelle Wilson of Premier Expeditors. Premier Expeditors is a certified women-owned business based in the Atlanta metro area. Now, Vicki and Michelle have been business partners for almost 30 years in an industry known to be male-dominated, the freight industry. We did record this a few weeks ago as the pandemic was first taking a hold and the world as we knew it was changing. Their journey is absolutely fascinating. And as uh, Vicki says, should be a sitcom. And knowing these two women like I do, I can completely see how it would be a very successful sitcom. But let's talk to Vicki and Michelle and, and hear how it all began and where it's going from here. This is Vicki, and we have been partners and best friends for over, well, we've been partners for about 28 years and friends for longer than that. Now, you were actually co-workers for a long time as well, correct? Yes, ma'am. I don't mean to speak for Michelle, and I'm sure she'll jump in any moment, but I was in sales. I was a green salesperson. Michelle was operations. She was the smart, silent type. I was the flighty, talkative type. Uh, A match made in heaven, it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) It really was. I'm sure Michelle didn't think so in the beginning. Uh, She was, what's funny is when we first met, she was like, to me, Scarlett O'Hara. She, you could not read her face. She just always got it done. And I knew that over time she would love me. (laughs) Go ahead, Michelle. (laughs) And I do. And I always have. Vicki and I met at a company called Pilot Air Freight. They're actually a competitor of PEI. I was, like Vicki said, operations manager, and Vicki was the sales manager. And the reason we decided to go into a business of our own is because we went through, I think, Vicki, was it four? Four or, four or five managers in a four-year period. Yes, and although we were actually holding the place down, and I feel like we were the lifeblood of Pilot Air Freight in Atlanta, we were never going to be given an opportunity to grow. Absolutely. Uh, 
basically we uh when we first met i was green sales she was operations but because they went through so many managers they relied on us now let us keep in mind that michelle was 21 years old at the time i was about 28 at the time the first time they asked us to fill in for a district manager position temporarily and it was terrifying and that's a whole other podcast uh (laughs) and we survived and it was almost like we had to hold each other up because neither one of us knew the other side, if that makes any sense. It makes perfect sense. And so you were holding together the pilot air freight in Atlanta and weren't satisfied? Well, after the third or fourth time of basically taking turns, and we're talking, walking into the conference room with 20 men that owned or ran their franchises uh, and being questioned and then feeling comfortable by the third or fourth time, you start to understand how this works and being the only woman in the room and realizing they did not know more than you did. They might have had more education than you did, but that you could hold your own. And I think for me, the defining moment was I think it was the third uh, time that I had to fly up to Philly and I'm in the big room, but now being the only woman in the room isn't so scary. And one of the guys there, one of the franchise owners looked at me and asked me, Vicki, when are they going to promote you? And I knew at that moment when he asked me that question that they were never going to promote me ever. And I realized it. I'm a little, you know, at that time, by that time, I'm 30, 31 (laughs) years old, little brunette. I don't know that people have agendas. I don't know that when they ask me a question, they want an appropriate answer, not my real answer. (laughs) And so I realized and I remember and it was Michelle who was interfacing with a customer of ours who asked, I think probably both of us asked us, what would it take to own our own? transportation company and it was probably 1991 we started looking into what would it take so we uh asked questions michelle knew all the vendors in atlanta and so we didn't have a clue about business but we knew that it came down to customers and revenue and all i had to do was have the customers call in michelle would take care of them And we began as an agency, which I think is brilliant because when you first start out in business, trying to do the business part of it is too much. You should do what you do well and then learn from there. And then in 1999, we became our own corporate with our own network, which is also another podcast. And in the mid-90s, we did what entrepreneurs do, do and started other companies. Michelle uh, wanted to go into trucking. I looked at her and went, oh, I don't want to go into trucking. And thank God she did. We wouldn't be in business today had we not done that. She, And I'll let her speak to that. But she took on, didn't know anything about it. I'll let her tell the story. And it's booming. It's at least, you know, it's a third of our business today and has gotten us through. It made us a better company. I decided that I wanted to go out on my own. Vicki and I had been talking about it for a while and throwing things around, talking to people. And I don't, I know it was, uh, it was kind of like a pipe dream at the time. And I don't know how serious we were, but going through all of our different bosses and the different personalities, I mean, it was just, you know, 
it seemed like the writing was on the wall. But for me, the third district manager, and I will not mention names, was it for me. <laughs> and that's when I finally went to Vicki, and I was ready that day. But Vicki was like, no, we need to plan. We need money. We need this. We need that. And then fourth district manager came along, and she was done. So I forgot it, that story. Let me yeah. tell the story. Tell the story. The, I, and I'll try not to tell. I'll try not to mention no. names. No, <laughs> it was Michelle's idea because she burst. I'm remembering 1991, September of 1991. She came into my office and said, and she's not the emotional one. I am. And she doesn't normally show her emotion on her face. And I think there were tears in her eyes. She was so mad. She slammed the door and she said, we could do this and we could do this better. And I'm looking at her like, oh, God, we need money, you know, <laughs> but that it is absolutely. It was boss number three. I again, uh, who used to come in late, leave early, uh, looked like he stayed up all night and would get then right up Michelle because she was five minutes late. And she had had it. She was done with it because she was basically running the, the station at that point. And then in then we had started asking questions and started making phone calls. And three months later, boss number four or five came in, pinstripe suit, white men can't <laughs> jump was his saying. And um, he hated me. He adored Michelle. He adored her. And I got to tell this story, Michelle. So we're talking about it. And I come in February of 92. I look at her and I go, I'm out of here. Are you coming with me? And she looked at me and said, are we going to be poor? Because I really don't want to be poor. <laughs> it just had to see those big brown eyes flashing. <laughs> anyway, but I, uh, I knew I had to leave. At that point, I wasn't going to get promoted. I had forgotten about the emotional feeling I had. I just relived it, Michelle, by you mentioning that. And so I was fearful of, I got to say this, when we started, so I'll let you talk about the employee of the month thing and how how you told the guy that adored you that, uh, and I thought for just a minute she wasn't going to come with me because he really, <laughs> he adored her and he knew he was going to have a hard time running it without her. Okay, we are at boss number four and I think Vicki said enough about three and four that they will know who they are without us having to say it. <laughs> but neither are there. Boss number four, Vicki um, does not like, Does I mean, it's, mm -hmm. she's ready to jump. And my life is actually getting a little bit better because he does like me and I'm done with boss number three, but neither here nor there. I had no intention of changing my mind, but boss number four takes, invites me to dinner, presents me with employee of the quarter for, um, for pilot air freight and I have a little write up, you know, and he's just so excited for me and I felt guilty. So I told him, I'm like, listen, Vicki and I are leaving and he just gets pale and hit, you know, cause I, I felt bad. So he gets kind of pale and he just kind of changes the subject. I don't think he knew what to say. But anyway, we finish our dinner. We go back the next day in the office. He fires Vicky and makes me stay to work a two-week notice. Which was so. unheard of in our, unheard of that they would keep you. But go ahead. <laughs> okay, so um, while I'm working my two-week notice, Vicky is out. Um, well, I meet up with her after work, and we're looking for buildings. I'm not going to 
talk about the happenings during that with the speeding tickets and whatever. But <laughs> you can't. That's another podcast. <laughs> but anyway, we're Vicky's looking for buildings. We've decided who we're going to go with. We still have no money, so I um, called my mom and asked her if we could borrow some money. I think we had, we must have had a conversation that we thought ten thousand dollars would get us by. Um, because we were opening as an agency. Um, so my mom cashes in her 401k or part of it, gives us $10,000 to start with. So we felt better about that. We never, and the good thing is we never had to use it. I don't think we ever touched that money. Nope. So, but, um, we end up, our first office is an absolute dump in forest park but we were excited about it i think i think Mm -hmm. it's when we look back now that it seems like it was so bad but we had no furniture we worked off of crates for desk and at that time we actually had no computers so we would write up our reporting every day send it to corporate vicky's out banging on doors trying you know trying to bring customers on and I'm inside the building by myself doing um, operations and Vicky's a great sales rep. They just, they started calling. They, I can't remember the revenue we did the first month. I know you I do, can. But, okay. <laughs> well, I can, but let me say this. Uh, we always had a shipment. Uh, we, we started out with two shipments the first day. I still remember the customer names. Uh, Monolith is no longer around, and neither is our way. But we had two shipments the first day, and I can remember Michelle would call, beat me because we didn't have cell phones, and she would beat me. I remember one particular day. It was one o'clock in the afternoon, and she she beat me, and she goes, "We don't have any freight." <laughs> And I said, I'm trying, I'm trying. And, but I, I don't think a day went by since the day we opened, we didn't have a shipment. And I can remember um, just, and at the time I was a fundamentalist and we would pray, uh, you know, give us Lord our daily freight. And he certainly <laughs> did for us at that time. So between the, the week between, well, two weeks, I guess, Michelle, if you had to work those two weeks, um, between that time, I'm going out and trying to make sure we have a fax machine and we have a, you know, a copier at the time, a typewriter. And I find this little company that has, well, no, excuse me. I call the phone men in and I tell them, you know, we need to hook up three phones. And he looks at me and he says, ma'am, where's your phone system? I said, I said, what phone system? <laughs> he said, um, you know, the phone system you have to have to have. I said, no, can't we just plug it in the wall like we do at home? I had no idea. So I went out and I found some used phone equipment that happened to have a fax machine with it and a typewriter for $2,400. I just remember this. But you had to be there, of course, when I'm arguing with the phone man about plugging it into the wall versus having a phone system. So this this is another just example of what we you do not know what you do not know. And we just jumped right in and had to figure it out. So anyway, uh, but yeah, so we, we did get a phone system. We had a phone system. We found a, a warehouse. Another funny story is the real estate man is taking us, you know, through the the warehouses. And he, I asked him, well, how much? And he says, $2 <laughs> a square foot. 
well, I don't know. What does that mean? Does that mean $2 yeah. a square foot every month? Does that mean, you know? <laughs> and so, but anyway, the guy looked at me. I'll never forget with his Rolex watch and knew he had, oh God, you know, a dumb one here. I He said, $2 a square foot. I said, is that good? <laughs> How do I figure that out? And it was $1,000 a month for a 5,600 square foot or 5,000 square foot facility is what I remember. And I have this vision of Michelle. Now, remember, Scarlett O'Hara with her beautiful hair and earrings and white outfit on her knees, wrapping a carpet up with shrink wrap because she was so afraid it was going to get damaged. Do you remember that, Michelle? Yeah, I remember it having a huge declared value. I don't remember what it was, but... um... I wasn't going to risk that. Not our first month in business anyway. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes. We have lots of freight freight stories, but we won't. We won't. We'll, we'll move on because, again, this is a, a sitcom. I told you, Brenda, yeah, it, this could be a sitcom. Go ahead. It should be. So you're out on your own now. You've made the leap. You're getting business. You're getting everything set up. How long was it? This was 1992. Mm-hmm. How long until you started to see profit? We Okay, so we did, in April of 92, we did $18,000 worth of revenue. Now, Michelle would have to speak to the profit. Uh, in um, May, we did $54,000. And in June, we did $62,000. Now, uh, July, we did 71, and, and that's all I, re- well, I remember through September, I don't remember what August was, but at 71,000, um, we had a part-time fella, he was really pretty to look at, but really dumb, <laughs> and anyway, uh, well, that's what I remember, anyway, and we had an open house, and uh, Michelle is a, an interior designer, she has a certification for that, and through the most coolest open house you could ever imagine in this little dump people still talk about it uh we probably had 150 people show up i am more of a if it works that's fine kind of person and she was the one that made it so cool with hay all over the floor and candles and pallets with silver stuff on it and i'll again i'll let i'll let her speak to that but that was in july of seven um of no August of 92 September we did 65,000 and the reason I remember that it was the first time we had fallen down and um I was I was a little concerned but anyway go ahead Michelle talk about that beautiful grand opening oh I will but our cost um during those days was a lot different than it is now because we were strictly air freight so I would say our purchase transportation was what 40 between 40 and 50 percent so we were making a good return on the small amount of revenue we were doing i i want to say our cost for the uh was seven thousand a month and i don't know why that that number sticks in my mind but what one of the wisest thing i think we did is we we didn't make a lot of money but we expensed our salary into the into our monthly revenue so we always knew we were going to get a check um, yeah. yeah, it's hard to remember. I know it was a lot less than it is today, and it was, but <laughs> although it was probably a huge amount to us at the time, absolutely. But anyway, going back to our grand opening, like I told you, our first year we were in it. I mean, I can't even explain how much of a dump it was, but <laughs> we made it 
we, you know, made it work for us. And, um, but the idea of uh, having that open house um, and debuting our new business venture in that place just, I don't know, just gave me chills. I care about things looking pretty and how they look and how, you know, you present your company. And oh, Vicky does too, but not as much. We have this office space. We have one pretty desk from Office Depot that was probably like $150 yes, in yes. that little um, area that you walk in. The rest of it's crates everywhere that we're walking off. So, you know, you got that good first impression when you walked right in the door, but after that, it was bad. So for the open house in a warehouse with a forklift and probably a little bit of freight in it and greasy floors and that kind of thing, I'm, you know, I had to really think about what we were going to do. So we brought in pallets. We put a pallet on the forklift, raised it up a little bit, spread hay on it, put a keg of beer on it, um, set up a place for a band. And then we, you know, every we would place a stack of pallets every probably 10 feet in the warehouse and we would stream the hay on top of them and um, put red roses and silver trays with food and candles. And it actually turned out really pretty. The problem is Vicki went around the whole night blowing the candles out. Well, <laughs> I was I thinking visions, to myself, <laughs> I had visions of the place going up in smoke. I, I was, so I was walking around blowing them out as Michelle's mother was behind me, putting them back on. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> my mom's job the whole night was to relight the candles that Vicki was blowing out. I, and I'm but thinking had, to myself, it, hay and candles, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> well, but you had to see it. It was really pretty. For what we had to work with, it looked great. I and am you know, sure Michelle, it was amazing. I don't think we took pictures. I don't think we took pictures, did we? I don't think we did either, but we had a customer at the time that was in the exhibit business that let us borrow tables and cloths and chairs. So we had a lot of people that were good to us that let us borrow things so it wouldn't cost a lot of money. And well, I think it looked pretty decent. Oh, we you did an amazing job because people came up to me and asked me how much it costs us for the person that put it on. And I want to say it was $1,200 for a hundred, but what we got for it was a refrigerator to keep. And her mother um, did, did the trays and it was just beautiful. And there's no the way you could have pulled, and a brand new coffee pot. That's right. That a we critical. got to keep. This was <laughs> A great coffee pot. But, anyway. but you had to be there to see what Michelle was doing, and I didn't understand at the time, was the rustic with the elegant. For me, it didn't make any sense. When she's telling me about it, I'm looking at her like, what? But I just know it's going to be wonderful, so I just do what she says. And Okay, okay. And I'm trying to bring in checkered tablecloths, and she's looking at me like, no, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> And I'm I'm not I'm not understanding till it gets pulled off. And then when it gets pulled off, I can see what she is what she has done. And it's her, I'm sure your interior design background. Well, it was rustic enough without the checkered tablecloths. We already <laughs> well, had that true. rustic feel to it, so we had to <laughs> kind of play down the rustic part a little bit. <laughs> I anyway. I have seen some of your decor pictures, Michelle, and I'm sure that it was absolutely amazing. Oh, thank you. That is another one of my passions. So 
Uh, and it shows it, it truly. Um, and I look at that and I'm going, no, I could never do that. No, I, I could never do that. But um, so you're you're both now in your early 30s and late 20s. You yes, have yes. gone out on your own. Um, you are making it happen uh, the way that it needs to happen. You know, you're keeping your costs low and you're just pounding the pavement. And that's on the professional front. But what's going on behind the scenes? Because, Vicki, you had two small children at the time. Yes, my boys were my boys were 13 and 11. When we well, actually when we actually started, they were 12 and 11. They're 21 months apart, but anyway, it doesn't matter. And so they were preteen and teen. And I had an ex-husband who thought this was a terrible idea. And so uh, every night, if I wasn't home by six o'clock, uh, Michelle would hear about. I mean, he would he was not happy. And so I was not on call, and I was home at six o'clock every night. And Michelle was on call 24 hours a day, which at the time I had no, I, I didn't understand, now I do, what she was going through. And she had this uh, gentleman that was a hard worker, he just couldn't make a decision. So pretty much she was on call in the grocery store trying to handle emergencies and things like that. And um, then anyway, and that went around for probably, Michelle, two years, a year and a half. Yeah, until we had um, actual employees that were experienced. So, yeah, it was um, it was fun to me because I was single. I wasn't married. I could do whatever I wanted to do. And Vicky's ex-husband, who was the husband then, um, had no love for me and did not <laughs> want her doing what she was doing. Right. So, um, you know, and I... Um, I felt for Vicki, you know, and it's like, do what you need to do, and I've got this. So she would be outside pounding the streets all day. I'm in the office, and then, you know, she goes home. Well, actually, she did drop freight with me for, <laughs> especially when we went to DHL, because they didn't like our long freight, and they would only take it from us because we were girls, as horrible as that sounds, but it's true. And so Vicki would ride with me to do that. And, um, yeah, the on-call was if I had to do it now, I would cry. It, but then it wasn't so bad. I mean, you would, the thing that made it was the worst was that we didn't have cell phones. So when you're on call, you have a pager, it beeps, um, you're in the grocery store with a loaded cart of groceries. You just have to leave them there, go find a pay phone and try to, and if it was long distance, you were just screwed. So, um, yeah, that kind of made it hard, but, um, we did it. We did it. Well, let me and let me flip back to dropping freight. So you got to get this picture in your mind. So I have long, straight hair, but I wear it up in uh, with this little bow on the top of my head. Mm -hmm. Bright pink, bright <laughs> magenta pink. I've got a magenta pink jacket with a black dress on with heels and hose. And I come in and Michelle says, you've got to go with me to drop to drop this freight off. They won't take it otherwise. And it's 12 foot long aluminum extrusions uh, utilized in the construction business. So um, I jump in this straight truck. Okay, Michelle's in there with me, and I'm driving the room, the room, and I am backing up a dock, going backwards up a dock, not knowing what I was doing. Room, 
and I pull in. Now you talked about what it was like in a male dominated industry. Well, this is one of those occasions, which was really, really good. So there's me and Michelle and I've got the paperwork and I'm running in front of the line. Excuse me. Excuse me. (laughs) We have this free. Can you help me? And they of course did. Uh, So that, and that's a terrible story to tell, but that is one of those situations where you use the, um, the being a girl thing in a good way or in a convenient way, let me say. And 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 I know you can probably picture that, right? I can absolutely picture that. (laughs) But other than, you know, silly little things like that, I don't think we even thought of it being a male dominated. We Um, didn't. We didn't. It just never even occurred to us that we couldn't do it. Um, it's what we had always done, and we knew what we were doing. We knew we were good at it. So I don't even think that male-dominated came into play. Until it didn't. It, well, I think um, it was more of – in sales, you got more of that in that they didn't want to um, – sometimes didn't want to give business to an attractive female that um, – they wanted the sturdiness of a man with gray-headed, uh, a gray-headed man with glasses. And there was on, from to today, I have no title on my cards for that reason. So they don't know who I am. Uh, there are some of my customers uh, didn't know that Michelle and I owned them, owned it. Some of them knew, and that's why they used us. But to help us, you know, they wanted to see us succeed. And Michelle pulled off a coup when we walked out of pilot air freight we had all the discounts that pilot air freight received she at that time you had face-to-face contact with all the salespeople and could get all the discounts uh you you knew them and we were you know so she took she knew what she was doing and got all the discounts we could have got we were very competitive well she was the employee of the month that's right. Like, I loved her, man. <laughs> and I that, swear. That... And at that time, we had really good relationships with our vendors. It was a lot different than it is today. Yeah. There were, yes. I mean, your vendors came in once a week. Uh, you had uh, face-to-face contact with them, and you actually had rates and agreements that were tailored to what the revenue you were doing. So, luckily, they let us keep that, and um, they put their faith in us, and... I don't think we ever let them down. And that's, and we were committed to paying too. Although we were an agency, we were going to make sure that they, they got paid. And I think they knew that. It sounds like the perfect business marriage that you two have, but I'm pretty sure I've heard stories about where there was almost, almost a divorce. divorce. Yes. Yes. Um, So I thought a lot about what, Michelle's always been my emotional support and almost too much probably. And I didn't realize it, especially in the early years. And what happened for me was as we branched out and she was doing trucking, um, I was doing distribution. um, I was working with sales. She was working with drivers and she married a, uh, a gentleman that was in trucking and they were working together every day. And our offices reflected our relationship. So at that time, our offices were opposite ends of the, of the um, company. And I think what really happened is we grew distant because we weren't speaking every day. I did not know what she was going through, but I was envisioning, and I only knew what I was going through. 
And so I got my feelings hurt. You know, you add to feelings. And one of the things about me, I'm pretty transparent, pretty quick. And I can remember, and I ran into her office one day, um, and I won't go through everything that I was going through at the time. It was, uh, I just, the, the, it was after 9-11. Um, it was after I had to lay off. Um, we were giving salespeople commissions on trucking separately. But I was, but the other side was paying salaries. And even though we were still 50-50 owners and everything we did, she was busy with her truck truckload side. And I was busy with the distribution and air freight side, which air freight went away. And so anyway, but they had more employees on that side of the house. It was awful. That's all I can remember. And so I'm envisioning that her and her husband are building an empire. Now that I know about the trucking side more, I say, God bless her. I don't know how she survived it, but at the time, you know, you only know what you're going through. So I had gone in and said, I want a divorce. Let's just flip the, the shares. I'll keep the, the air freight side. You keep the truckload side. I'll never forget this. And she looked up at me with disgust on her face and said, no, no, I'm not doing that. So, but when it all came down to it, um, when and this is a silly thing but it's it was big in our world or it was big in my world so i'm going to a conference uh as far as i know we're 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 making arrangements to to separate we're going to try to do it as fairly and and as quickly as possible um i have a cold and i'm at a conference a nasa conference they were talking about mars and they're going to have a bunch of freight to mars I mean, bunch of freight going to go to Mars. So anyway, um, so she calls me on the phone. At that time, we have a cell phone. And she calls me and says, where is the lease? And I tell her where the lease is. And she says, are you okay? And I said, I am sick. You know, I'm just really sick. And I, uh, but I, uh, it's just a head cold. And she goes, um, and I said to her, I said, you know, Michelle, I love you. I love you, and I, I'm not meaning any harm. And she goes, well, I love you too. And I thought, and that was it for me. That's all I needed. And so we got back on the same horse or on the same wagon anyway. And when we decided, no, you know, and I, I really believe that she could do her own thing. I could do my own thing. But I think we're better together. And I do love her. I still, you know, I'm sure I drive her crazy. But anyway, so at that time for me, that's all I needed. And and I, and again, emotional support is what that's about. Uh, unfortunately, um, her and her husband did get a divorce, but um, she and I got back together, and that we went forward, and we made some big hard decisions. And uh, anyway, and today uh, we sit on a $20 million company plus a truckload company of $3 million plus she's got us in real estate plus we own our building. Uh, and I just, I still say we, we're better together. And I would, in fact, now I say I'm not going to do this with anybody else. <laughs> I'm not doing this. Oh, uh, we were plugging away with air freight. We had built our business up. We were covering costs, making a little bit of money. We had, I don't, did you mention the crating company that was started? In the I didn't even mention, okay. no, we I was doing the crating, the crating too, company. Yeah. Um, Vicki um, had hired a lot of her family there and it, and, um, but let me save that till later. We had a customer that uh, was using us and he asked me if 
we could do trucking. And I'm like, sure we can. So I um, started first with the brokers. Didn't know anything about what I was doing, but I was, what, how old was I, 30? I wanted to make money. And so I looked into the brokerage, um, saw, you know, learned as I went with it and started the brokerage. We built it separate because the company we were representing at the time did not want to um, there be any focus on truckloads because it was a lower return. So we built it out ourselves, and in my eyes, I was building an empire for me and Vicky so that we could make money instead of just, you know, having fun. But um, I think it went, it kind of turned into she had her crew, I had my crew, a lot of her crew was family, but neither here nor there, we built it all together. So I wasn't going to do anything different than what I was doing, and I think we both felt like each was working harder than the other, which wasn't true. But I think it all falls down to the communication. We yes. didn't have the communication every day like we had had at the beginning. And I can clearly see her points now. I think she can see my points now. And sure. I think it was just the distance that came between us. And we were so busy that yes. all we we cared more about what we were doing than what the other was doing, yes. probably. Yes. Yes. So, um but I think, you know, looking back now, I think it made us better. It made us a more solid company. It mm-hmm. gave us um, more services to offer the customers. But it was just getting through it and coming to, you know, agree with what we were doing together. So I think it served us well, but it was a very difficult time. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And also, it to me, the biggest thing and one of the reasons it's so important for people to communicate is we get ideas in our head and we don't know what everybody else is doing, whether it's your employees or it's your partner or it's even at home. It You need to know what the other person is going through. And I, I really believe now, today, uh, it was all about um, no connection. But we didn't have time at the time. I mean, at the time, it was overwhelming, um, but it it ended up being very good. But there were it was hard, and for me, it wasn't. Um, I what she's talking about with the distribution company uh, was that I my father had worked for Delta Airlines. He was laid off, and so he knew distribution. Now the crating thing. Now you've got to remember when I started the crating thing. This was with a major company that wasn't going to give us freight yet and so he said i can't justify that and i said what else are you doing and he said well i i do crating and i said how much do you spend a month and he said ten thousand dollars a month and i sat there and i of course i knew nothing and i'm sitting there and i i i lean down and i'm rubbing my eyes and i go um i'm thinking nails hammers how far could that be and i look up and i go we can do that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, that, that's right, really. So I called my father. I said, Dad, how do you feel about running a crating company? He said, I don't know nothing about crating. I said, I didn't ask you that. And so we started out knowing nothing. Um, and there's there's numerous stories. But the best story, and one of the, for me, is I learned never to make a financial decision without Michelle. And here's how this went. I had cut a deal with this major company about this crating, 
And so that he wants a hundred crates in the next 30 days. And I'm like, Oh shit. And so I cut a deal with a cartage company guy. And I say, tell you what, we'll buy the wood. You supply the labor, build these crates on our warehouse. And we'll, we'll um, split the profits 50, 50. And I thought that just sounded great until I told Michelle, because I think she's going to be so happy. And so I tell her and she looks at me. And again, you'd have to see those big brown eyes looking at you. And she goes, um, Vicki, whose customer is that? I said, ours. And she goes, uh, how much does the wood cost in comparison to the labor? And I'm like, I don't know. She said, well, <laughs> I'll bet you it's more. She said, and why would you give the guy, I'm not going to mention his name, 50, 50%. And I said, well, it sounded good. <laughs> so that was my lesson. And from then forward, I never made a financial decision except for that weird time that we were so busy without her. I mean, it was it was one of those kind of things that, you know, no matter if it sounds good, I need to run it past brains and let me make sure that even though it sounds good, that it, it is good. And so um, that was another reason I think we have been successful. At the time that we went through this bad time now, um, the building that we were leasing the, uh, the company, management company, had changed hands. They were very petty. There was lots of money they were asking me for. Um, and the way I had had it arranged was the warehousing portion would pay most of the rent. But then the telecom industry went went bad in the 90s. We were full of telecom stuff. Nobody wanted to pay. I was struggling to get people to pay the storage. And we were talking about almost 12000 a month which to me was a lot of money at the time, right? Hmm. So it was, yeah, it was just a really bad. And then every time I turned around, it was more money here, more money there. And then the salespeople, they were loving getting this commission from this truckload stuff, but they weren't bringing enough in to, to pay their salaries on the other side. So I was, I was just being hit with lots of monetary things, feeling like, oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to pay the bills, that kind of thing. So um, anyway, uh it, it's just funny how even the negative things in in your life end up can, if you can learn the lessons from them, make you better and they make you stronger. But Michelle has always had a much better sense of money. And when she going back to what she was talking about, I am sure she was desperate to build something for us because to me, when we made money, that just meant we could buy we could get another brochure or <laughs> we could hire another sales rep. I mean, for me, it was never going to be, I was just all about expansion and we were never, if, it's because of Michelle, we ever made more money. Uh, we'd still be making what we made when we started had it been, you know, I mean, cause I just yeah. thought like that. And so Michelle was much better business minded. Well, I think she's given me a little bit too much credit, but Vicki is just a giving person. And I, I don't know, I think it was at the time of, um, of our lives at that point I'm young, I'm working hard, I'm almost working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I'm trying to build, and I'm thinking, well, you know, I need to make really? money for this. <laughs> so, um, Imagine and, that. <laughs> yeah, and, but I think over the years, we've kind of met in the middle, yeah. uh, because now we, and it's a lot different now than it was then, now we have a team of people that make us successful. I don't feel like I make us successful like I did then. I feel like our team makes us successful. So it takes a group, it takes a team, and you want everybody to prosper. 
Absolutely. So you started the company in 92. It's going on 28 years. You mentioned the telecom recession in the 90s. You mentioned 9-11 in 2001. So you have seen your share of of political and economic and world downturns. Yes. And we are going into another one. We are in the midst of another one right now with the coronavirus and the COVID-19 and the pandemic. And and so what what are your thoughts going into this? Well, one of the reasons one of the ways Michelle and I we're we're almost opposite in personalities, but one of the places we're very much alike and always have been, and that is we do not like debt, which is unusual when you're in business. But she and I like people to owe us. Right. (laughs) We don't like to owe anyone. And so we have everything we've done. uh, Our building is paid off against a lot of people telling us we should use other people's money, blah, 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 blah. We paid it off quicker. We, uh, she took and invested in real estate uh, during the downturn. Uh, we know we've been through it, and we know that every decade about, you're going to have something. So you better be able to get through at least 90 days without much pain. And um, we probably could stretch out work. But so we have always been very much the same about savings, about out of debt. Um, we do what we can for 401ks, anything to save tax money. Um, I think we've been very wise when it came to, to those kind of things. I agree we've been economically wise and um, in not that we prepared for this. How could you prepare for this? How could you even know something like this would happen? But another thing as far as operations is having the capabilities to work remotely. Um, Our team has done a great job of making sure that everyone can work from home um, from the air air freight and brokerage side. Um, The trucking company is a separate company, but they can as well. And then they can communicate together. So we are set up. The customers probably don't even know that we are working from home. Now, can you imagine doing this back in 92, 94, 95, when you were using beepers, pagers, and, and clipboards? No, nope, exactly. I can't. No, I can't. I don't know what we would have done in 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 that world. It, it's amazing how far the technology has advanced us and made us prepared. So you've diversified your interests. You started out as air freight. You bought trucks. You did crating. You you have a trucking division now. You have a brokerage division now. You you have properties, and you also have agencies. Yes. Talk about the decision to bring on outside agencies. Okay, so we came, Pilot Air Freight uh, was an environment of agencies that uh, franchise owners, at that time that's what they called them, now we call them sales agency owners, but we, um, we, and I had worked with corporate, you know, when we were exposed to the, you know, takeover, I didn't know anything about the splits and how they worked and all of those lovely things. And so um, we, since that was their model, 
and it was very successful, it was easier for us to branch out when we be- became our own corporate that uh, we could put other people like Vicki and Michelle into business and they could be successful and not because um, they didn't have to have college degrees. They didn't have to be, you know, gray headed men with glasses that anybody that had customers and cared about moving freight, we could make successful. We could have the tools that they needed. And so in 1999, um, through 2000, before 9-11, we went out on our own first, but we set it up as a corporate. So corporate had the tools, the banking relationships, the um, insurance relationships, the payables and receivable process, and that is how it began. And we got our first uh, agency in 2002 to three. I can't remember. I, I know it was 2003 for sure because um, they, uh, Los Angeles came on, in on the time, in at that time. But um, and that is how we we that was our original plan to expand was through agencies, uh, and that way each group could stay small, over about 10 people, in my opinion. This Vicky's theory. Uh, politics starts. If you have over 10 people, you can hide things, uh, you can misconstrue things. And so um, if each group maintained about a 10 employee max kind of thing, they could do, you know, 15 million a year each, but we could be their backup. And so there is a definite separate skill set. Our first agency was um, I think we learned everything not to every do. right everything bad that could happen happened with that agency. They had they invoiced um, fake shipments. They uh, had a customer go bankrupt. They um, they stole. They took their uh, computer from where they were at, and we got sued. I mean, everything that could happen, and their partnership broke up, and they were fighting over the money. So we learned everything we needed to know <laughs> from that first ship. Uh, you think I'm kidding? No, from that first arrangement. They find they did go bankrupt, um, not because of us. Thank you very much. We paid all their bills, but we also paid more than our more than we should have. Yeah, because they had um, athletes foot at the time, and athletes foot went bankrupt. So we um, ate a lot of money. What? They, which they, is where we learned about bad debt. Yeah. Talk, right. talk to the, the business was called Athletes Foot, or they had that um, infliction. No, no. it's um, shoe shop, like a you know, um, like a Footlocker. Or I want to say like they're that. still in business. The, well, they I don't know. come back. I've noticed they have some stores. I, I think they went away for a while, and they've come back, or either they just got small, and now they're expanding again. I don't know. Okay. But yeah, we took a big hit from them. But you oh, survived. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Survived. Absolutely. Now, again, being con- the conservative people we are, we we uh, we like to be a little bit ahead of the game because we know things can go awry. So here we are. It's 28 years later. You are not only surviving, but you're thriving and you're giving that opportunity to others in the industry as well. And I think it's important to note that, but also... You have another entity that came to fruition because you are giving people. You want to talk to us about your nonprofit? Yes, um, we would love to. Michelle, do you want to go first? Or you want me to tell the story? 
because it's Michelle's brain. You remember it so I do. Okay. Michelle was um, uh, adopting a baby from Kazakhstan. And before she left, it was imperative to her that we start this charity. Because I can remember Michelle saying, oh, well, we don't want to do it right now. And you were like, no, no, we need to do it right now. And so we started a charity called Paradise and Powers. And it was centered around kids. And um, so we, uh, the businesses contributed to it. Our fr- and, and it was right before she went to Kazakhstan to get that baby. And uh, let me mention that we started bombing Iran or Iraq the day after she left. And we stopped the day before she came back. It was six weeks <laughs> that I remember because I was worried about her. I remember, do you remember that, Michelle? Yes. I yeah. remember being in a hotel room the second day we were there and them calling the room. They couldn't speak English and we didn't know what they were saying. So I walked down to the desk and she just handed me an embassy alert that said to um, stay inside. Um, don't talk to people you don't know. Well, I didn't know anybody. So right. it just, but scary time, but um it but it was okay but she and I I always wondered if it was because you were doing that that you were worried something bad was going to happen but she wanted um the charity established I just remember that for some reason I don't I don't know why I remember it but anyway um so well Laura one of our customers um Laura Rozier actually we were really good friends and we still are. And she was so worried about me when I was um, planning my trip to Kazakhstan that she did a lot of research and she got real involved, learned about all the orphanages and um, just had a heart for it. And she wanted to help. So that's another, I think at the time, that's another reason we started it. Well, that, yes, yes. So Laura Roger, uh, she, she heads up or did head up a charity called Antares, and it was primarily only for Kazakhstan orphanages, which there's three different types. We won't go into that. What I do remember, though, uh, that was so wonderful with Paradise and Powers was our very first program. We don't have it now. It was very hard to manage, uh, but I just remember it being so sweet. We we uh, basically paid for foster children to have piano lessons and we found uh, piano keyboards. Uh, I don't remember if it was via the internet. Um, and we worked with the CASMA in Clayton County. And it, but, and so we had our first recital, I think it was a 10 week program. We found a piano teacher that would charge $15 for every 30 minutes and then um, they did a recital, and it was on my birthday. Oh, I, it was beautiful. That. It really was sweet. And so that was the beginning. And we were about empowering, and we think people learn by doing. And so we want, we felt uh, Head Start, they had Head Start through the age of six, and they seemed to have a lot of teenage programs, but they didn't have anything for those kids between the ages of eight and 12 just didn't seem like there was a lot of activities for them to learn. And so we did, uh, after the piano lessons, the karate classes, which was a great program too, till the karate instructor, he nixayed, exayed that. What I loved about that program is that we were helping single moms. Uh, they did not have to pay for daycare. This karate uh, studio would help them with their homework, and then they would learn karate 
after school. That was so those were my two favorite. And then it expanded. And today we have a director that uh, we know throwing money at things doesn't always help. And so it's his job to make sure that whatever we're investing in, which is many, many programs now, um, it's working. You know, it's not just for show that these kids are are we've got a teenage art group now, um, Art 360, and this is for troubled teenagers to work out their emotions through art. Well, a third of our, our funds go with, with employee important charities. That's where breast cancer comes in. We have an employee that uh, gives up her own time to uh, do this breast cancer walk and everything. So we contribute to that. Autism, we have a fellow that has an autistic child. So we give to that. And um, one that it was involved in Boy Scouts, so we gave to that. And so it, a third of it is for what our employees care about. A third of it is for what we care about. I think we give also to um, sex trafficking. Yes. Um, but a, a third might be what our customers care about. So we may give to charities that they are doing. And we have had some fundraisers. Oh, addiction services for our Cincinnati office. It would be our hope that each agency would have something that they care about that we could contribute to and support. Absolutely. And that's something that you encourage the agencies to do for their local communities as well. Absolutely. Now, you're not just acting locally within your community, though. You are acting on a global scale, helping communities that are a little bit farther away. And also our Cincinnati agency, um, the Master Provision. The, Guat yeah. Yeah, the Guatemala. Yeah, yeah. With yep. uh, kids in Guatemala. Sure do. And we did you not just uh, fund some wells? Why, oh, yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> we sure did. I think we funded too well. <laughs> we sure have. Uh, we that has become a main theme. I can't believe what happened to my memory. Make sure. <laughs> and you another that thing we did, Vicky, was um, your Ajahn or whatever his name is, the meal. AJ, uh, the feed a million. Yeah, feeding yes. a million. We that um, was he, global. His goal, his goal was to feed a billion, and so we took on a million. And, of course, being fair, you know, it was dimes, you know, that could provide meals. And uh, we did that for two or three years. And then once we accomplished that, we decided everybody should have clean water. And so we partnered with Charity Water in that we sponsored wells. Um, and we've got two. One should be up and running by, I think, this summer. Right, Michelle? Uh, yes, I think it takes two years from the beginning or 18 months, something like right. that. Um, and two, we would encourage everybody out there to check out the book. It's called Thirst. Yeah, it's a must read. It's a must read to me. And um, so we're pretty, pretty committed to, to making sure. And I think, you know, it's getting close, Michelle. I think uh, that guy's going to achieve it in his lifetime. Assuming yes, and that they'll give us the GPS coordinates so that we know where it is. And um, I don't think they recommend that anybody visits it, but I think Vicki and I will probably make a trip once all of mm -hmm. this is over with just yeah. because that's who we are. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's wonderful. You know, it, it's, it's lovely and wonderful to help the communities that you live in. But I think if this pandemic that we're all in right now has shown we are truly a global 
society. Yes, it is like the earth is a satellite. We got to look at it like that. So what affects one will uh, eventually affect the other. Absolutely. So it's been 28 years and things are going well. And and in the words of uh, Vicki Carver Sparks, if you had a magic wand and you could wave that magic wand, what would you create with it? Where do you want to be in, say, five years? Five is harder than ten. Well, we know in fi- we would like to add a couple more agencies. Absolutely. In yes. the next five years. Yes. It's, it's getting hard for me to think forward because of this pandemic, because I have a daughter, like a lot of other people out there, who is graduating who can't graduate, who can't go to prom, who can't, you know, do any, uh, I mean, our life has changed as we know it. If but I as could, far as our five-year plan, I think we're, I'm, we almost have accomplished everything we want to. It's true. Or, I'm, I mean, I'm speaking for you too, but if we could add a couple more agencies, the company's sustainable, um, the employees prosper. The um, we can help with our community, and um, everybody's happy and business as usual. I mean, we've accomplished a lot right there. Well, I think if I'm if I'm like just wishing, okay, we know we have to mentor the next group, the next leadership team, and so we are thinking about that. Um, if I could wave my magic wand, we'd have all autonomous electric trucks. Um, we would have we would put more people in business, uh, but they would have to work within the parameters that we set, like uh, not taking the money just because it's there. <laughs> you know, right. no, I mean, which we it, never have. Right. But I'm saying if we could help and mentor other companies, because that's, you know, a lot of businesses go out of business the first five years, which is why mm-hmm. agencies do so much better is because the parameters are already put in place. And so people don't have the freedom just to be frivolous. It's all about mentoring now at this point. I would like to see us as a nation or as a world get uh, more involved in uh, being green, uh, being less wasteful. Um, I'd like to see, I mean, I got, but I'm not planning to do anything on a national scale like for, through me, but whatever I can do on a grassroots basis, I will do because the economy is changing. We are going to see a different world. I happen to think it's going to be a better world. I think we will have universal health care after this is said and done. I think we'll have to consider a universal baseline and uh, for adults. I don't know how it works. I don't know how how we're going to pay for it. I just know we need to make it a priority. I see education being free, which is going to be good and bad. Um, I see a totally different economy five to ten years from today. Um, I don't. We'll still have to be responsible. Uh, I don't know what this what it looks like, uh, but it's 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 because this pandemic thing is going to happen again. So we're going to have to be more prepared next time. And um, I think we will be. I think we'll learn a lot. So I, I just, uh, of course, I don't want to buy the autonomous trucks. <laughs> <laughs> I want somebody else to buy them. But uh, I do see that as as in 10 years. Um, in fact, there, there are some people are using them today. Uh, we'll, we'll keep it. I think uh, each state will have to make a decision just like they are with marijuana. Uh, to to say okay to it, but um, 
we are going to see a different kind of economy. I don't know how uh, businesses will operate in the new economy. I don't know if blockchain will make it uh, easier or harder, but I do think that's going to, it'll keep people honest because you'll be able to trace it back or companies, you know. So it's, it's going to be, it's, yeah, I don't know what it looks like. I know that it's possible. I don't know how to get there. I, but, I, um, I think yeah. you touched on it. Just each one of us doing what we can within our own parameters is, yeah. is a huge step. Yeah, and it's uh, it's bigger than than us for sure. Uh, but we would like to see this little company uh, be sustainable. And according to Peter Drucker, of course, that's old uh, old news. But every five years, you should double in business if you're growing. And I do believe growth is where it's at. Not so we can be a big company and sell it and make a bunch of money. That's not my. It allows everyone to grow. If you're growing, it um, it allows people that want to learn more, want to do more, want to uh, uh, expand their knowledge base. It allows everybody an opportunity to do that. Yeah, otherwise, we're all status quo, and people get bored and they get stale when it's status quo. So, in my opinion, but but I'm 60, so it's about mentoring other people now. It's about stepping back a little bit instead of uh, now I'll do anything I have to do. And I know Michelle will do anything she has to do to make it uh, survive. But at this juncture, it's like, okay, people, <laughs> you know, you got to, everybody's got to pull their weight. Everybody's got to do what they've got to do. So I could probably retire now. Not that I want to. Michelle couldn't right now because she has a child in college and a child going you know, eventually will go to college. I'm in a different place. I've got grandchildren, but I don't want to retire. So uh, we'll, we'll, now this has given me an idea of part-time retirement for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, the question in my mind is, can you be fully engaged and have a part-time situation? I do not know, but anything's possible, right? It's going to be fun finding out. Yeah, yeah. I think it's possible, but it's going to be a big transition for everyone yes. because this it is a big transition for me. If I could get up and pack up and go to the office right now, I would. So it's going to take a lot of getting used to for me. Yes. And I think yes. the employees feel the same way right now, which makes me feel good. At least, you know, they all love being there and they love the camaraderie of it all. Exactly. Yeah, there's an energy that happens when people are together. Now, i got to tell you, though, Michelle and I talk to each other every day, whether we're in the office or not. I mean, we we um, and I would think the employees want to do the same. Right. You know? and, so. and I think that I mean, that's easier now than it was in 1992 for the sheer fact that communication is instantaneous now. Yes. So absolutely. advice, because we are, you know. At the end of the day, we are truly women in a, and it is a male dominated industry still, even in this day and age, advice for women who are entering the transportation industry to be leaders. Uh, for me, it's about revenue. Uh, for me, you need to have contacts and you need to know what those industries need so that you can guess, even when they lie to you and tell you they don't have anything, you know. Uh, so it's about learning, it's about conversations, it's about networking, it's about relationship for me. 
And if I'm speaking for the operations, which I'll let Michelle speak to, you better be great at what you do, which is basically the same thing. You better know your vendors, even if everything's electronic, you better have a person to be able to call in our kind of business. But go ahead, Michelle, I'll let you speak to that. Yeah. And um, just from experience over the past 28 years, you um, better have personalized service for your customers because anybody can call and punch in extensions and talk to whoever answers the phone, but I think it makes a big difference if you um, offer personalized service, if you give options and show the customer that you really care. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Because the legs and the heels will get you through the door but they don't keep exactly. the door open. Right. That's right. Our Especially now at 61, I can't even wear heels, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> our operations um, is what keeps our customers. Yeah. Excellent. And sales will be different, but it's still necessary. You still need to know and understand what people are doing and what they're going through. We think we know, and we don't. Each, each industry has its own lingo. Each industry, they may have similar issues, but they call it something different. So you need to understand that. And um, then you communicate that to the operation so they understand it. And you make people experts in their field, they'll do well. How um, well you're doing, how successful you feel like you are at the time, you can never get complacent. No. Because customers are always churning. And another um, thing is would be not to have too much concentration in one customer. Absolutely. Diversity in everything. Diversity yes. with your employees, diversity with industries, diversity with companies, diversity um, all the way across the board. Yes. And that and have way. A great, uh, yeah. Have a great banking relationship. Yes. And do not change your operating system and your CPA at the yeah, same time. Don't change <laughs> your banks and your CPA at the same time. It is not a good thing. Step by step, girls. <laughs> <laughs> but collaboration, I think women are much better at collaborating. I think, um, I think we are going to do well in the next generation as women step up to be leaders. Because I, And maybe it's the mom thing. I'm not sure. But I think we think differently. We want teams. We don't want ego accolades. We're not interested in uh, standing apart and saying, look how great I am. We're interested in everyone winning, everyone thriving, but to the extent that they contribute. Now, I'm going to be very clear about that one. Those contributors, I don't care what sex they are, the contributors make more money. The and as moms, that- we are... Um, more nurturing and we want our children especially and then everybody around us to be the best that they can be and we want to help them accomplish that absolutely well thank you so much for joining me Vicki and Michelle it has been a wonderful time speaking with you and I I can't wait to see where we go once we come out of this uh, situation that we're all in Absolutely, Brenda. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. And um, let us know when we can start our sitcom. Yes, thank you, Brenda. And I don't know if anyone has mentioned this, but Brenda is another vital part of our team. She's an agency for us. I don't know if you want to say that, but we appreciate you, Brenda. Oh, highly successful. Absolutely. What I couldn't do, and that is operations and sales. You are quite whatever we can do to support your efforts, we're going to do. Well, what is most remarkable about Brenda is she can work from anywhere in the world 24 7. She's taught us that that can happen. 
Yes, you taught us, Brenda. It's a wonderful thing. And this is something that you have afforded to me. And I seize that opportunity and I love running with it. And um, that's the win win, you see. There it you go. is. It is. Fantastic. All right. We appreciate you, Brenda. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to do this podcast. And I am going to get back to work. Thank you so much to Vicki and Michelle for taking time out of their busy schedule to talk to me and, and give me a little more insight into their journey. Make sure you tune in next week as we continue this series on women in leadership and business. I'm Brenda Brown, and this is Redhead Audio.